Hi, everyone. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Morning Matcha. We're here today with Jill Shock, who is a death doula in Los Angeles. Hi. Hi. Thanks for coming all the way down from L.A. Thanks for having me. Um, so what is a death doula? And what does a death doula do? And yeah, what is it all about? <laughs> right. So... The term doula, um, we kind of stole from the holistic birthing movement. So you know how like there's birthing midwives and birthing doulas, Mm -hmm. and that's become a whole uh, movement now, having birth come back home and having it done naturally, you know, the way that the mom really wants to do it. So the first time that I heard the term doula, which actually means a woman of service, it's a Greek term. So um, the first time I heard it used with death was in 2014, sort of at an academic conference where some women were trying to figure out what they were going to call themselves being at the bedside of people who are dying. And so someone mentioned midwifery or doula and then death doula sort of came out because it has such a good alliteration to it. Mm -hmm. So I recently learned that birth doulas don't exactly like death doulas using the same name oh I didn't know that um, I didn't either it's super recent learning it just, it just makes so much sense <laughs> it to does me. um I'm familiar with birth doulas I know mm-hmm. um, I have a few friends that are doulas and yeah it just makes so much sense that someone's gonna help bring a new life into this world so why not have someone be of service to pass over to the other side right exactly and you know you're the only you you're ever going to be. So you want to get your exit right. You know, it's really important. I think it could help, you know, heal a lot of people if we spend more time thinking about death and treating it the way we treat, you know, pregnant women. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, I want to know how you got into it and then we'll get into, you know, why we want to ignore death. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, So I got into this. I went to college for public history. So I used to work in museums um, doing archives and research. It was like a great gig. Um, But somebody that I loved was impacted directly by death. And it was just such an extreme situation and sort of sitting back and observing all of this. You know, I saw a huge gap in what could have been done, you know, for this person and this family. So I went back to school to sort of study how people's life, um, you know, changes when it's interrupted by illness. Um, And I started working people from there. And then really it became, you know, being with a lot of people who were terminal and trying to cope with, okay, well, I don't have much time. How do I want to spend it? And what do I want to do now? Um, So I'd been working in the healthcare system for a while after grad school. So what did you study? Um, I actually studied theology. Oh, okay. Yeah. So sort of how people make sense and their belief systems and things like that. Yeah. So not necessarily religion, but yeah. Um, you know, spirituality Mm -hmm. and belief systems overall. So, and then they had a counseling program that I did you know, at the hospital while I was there. I was out in uh, Nashville at Vanderbilt. So it was a really great experience. So then you, but that's when you went back to school, you studied theology and you did their counseling program as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just 
you know, you felt after the person that you loved was impacted by death, you felt like this is one of what you want to do with your life. Like you already knew about, I mean, yeah. it's kind of like, what's the difference between that and hospice? Well, I've, so I've worked in hospice, mm-hmm. you know, I think the difference between hiring like a death doula and, you know, working with a hospice team, I actually encourage a lot of my clients to have a hospice team available to them because you get all those Medicare benefits, right? Mm -hmm. The medication delivered to your home, equipment, nursing staff, all of those things. I'm sort of the one who helps bring you out of the equation. You know, what do you want to do? Do you want to have like a lot of my clients have their funeral before they die, you know, wow. so they can, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. It's a really great and idea. And really weird. Like, yeah. I mean, to, something odd to get used to, but I think that's <laughs> so cool. It's, it's very joyful and it's very fun and it really leaves a lasting imprint, you know, on everybody and it makes death easier. So that's, excuse me, something we've been doing recently. Wow. Um, How long have you been, um, working with I mean I guess for a while but how long were you have you been like okay I'm a death doula well let's see I took on that name probably in the beginning of 2016 is when I started my own business so it's really been since then Mm -hmm. that I've taken on this title if you will yeah um but I've been working with people facing health crisis and end of life for nine years now so it's kind of crazy it's been that long. <laughs> and how do people find out about you? In various ways, usually through word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I now have like a website and everything, a, a web presence, I would say now that social media is more, yeah, I don't know, useful than it used to be. Um, so it's growing now. The word is sort of spreading. And who's reaching out to you? People who are ill or are family members reaching out to you? I mean, I, I think about I mean, we'll get into this, but I think about death all uh-huh. the time. And I, I think I use it as a measure in my life mm-hmm. about yeah. like what really matters to me. And, mm-hmm. um, it helps keep me grounded and stay connected to myself and the people around me. And really, I mean, you know, yeah, basically as a measure to yeah. um, how I want to treat others, how I want to treat myself and, right. um, how I want to be in this world. Right. And so I think, um, when I think about death, I, and when I see like my grandmother, she's 89, she, we just celebrated her 89th birthday and right on, she's like the head of the family, like who brings everyone together. And Mm -hmm. I see her kids, you know, they just dealt with, um, the death of my grandfather and they're so scared about my grandma and they know her time's coming up soon, but Mm -hmm. they, um, it's just sad because I think there could be so much more education around it and just talking about it. And no one really like wants to, I don't know, no one teaches you how to deal with it until I think afterwards there's like grief counseling, but what about, yeah. I mean, it really starts with the doctors, you know, and the lack of training of how to talk to people about when it's time to die because, you know, they've taken an oath to first do no harm and they want to prevent death at all costs. So it's sort of 
against the mindset of their training to go there. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's sort of the first key is having that initial conversation, um, to sort of help understand what to expect. So education is a huge part of it. I feel like that's, you know, half of the work that I do. And then, you know, empowering people to take it as their own, you know, once they understand what's going on is yeah. really the second part of it. But that first component is huge. Like, how do you empower someone who's been diagnosed with cancer and the doctors are like, oh, there's nothing more that we can do for you. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's time to go home and, and die. Yeah. You know, when really like that can be reframed as, you know, it's your choice of how you want to go about your treatments. Um, but you know, look at different options of how you want to spend the time that you have left. Cause it's a very aggressive form of cancer. Mm -hmm. It's probably going to be your end, you know, just be more realistic about it. So, yeah. And then, you know, you can really take it a advantage of it. So it is harder with elderly people too, who are living a lot longer. Mm -hmm. Like I have a client who's 106. Wow. Yeah. And she's like, good. She's pretty good. But okay. That's amazing. How yeah. did you guys meet? And like, how long have she, has she been a client? Uh, I think a couple years now, her daughter sought out some help with like funeral arrangements and wow. uh, thinking that her mom would die Oh, you know, a while <laughs> back. That's incredible. And how is she in terms of like everyday life and tasks? And she's, I mean, she's pretty slow, but she still like gets up and get her, gets dressed and gets her meals and talks to people throughout the day. And it seems pretty normal. You know, you wouldn't be like, whoa, that's a 106 year old woman. Wow. I think that's maybe a lot. I think maybe this has something to do with death and dying, but you know, we don't really like ugly, I suppose, in the way that people look. Yeah. And I think aging especially evokes a lot of fear in people. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people just won't sit down and talk to an old person about life because they think about death all the time. Yeah. You know, we might just be avoiding the ugliness of it. You're saying old people think, think about death all the time and really like we just need to sit down and talk to them potentially. Yeah. yeah. I love um, talking to old people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love my in-laws or mm -hmm. my grandmother-in-laws yeah. and um, my own grandmother. I love too, but my grandmother-in-law, uh, one of them specifically, she's already planned everything out. That's and, awesome. Yeah. And I just, that's really what got me thinking about it more so as well, because right. I think, yeah, just, um, I mean, I come from a different culture mm -hmm. and obviously I'm a different generation, but like my grandparents just, I don't know, they, they're just not like that. They yeah. don't plan. And, um, it's interesting to me the way everyone deals with it differently. Right. And, um, so yeah, I, I asked about just if you work with family. So this woman who's your client, the 106 year old, her daughter is the one that found you. So yes. do you work with her? Um, yeah, yeah. In the general nature of things, I do talk to her a lot and just how she's doing in this case with a particularly long, uh, decline. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I deal with families quite a bit. I mean, they're a huge part of the equation, Yeah. right? So it's the person who's dealing with the illness or dying. Um, and they kind of set the tone for how the family is reacting. But of course the family is its whole, it's a whole entity of, you know, what's going on. So, yeah. and I keep in touch with families, like 
some of the clients I work with, I'll still go see them like once a year and have dinner or that's nice. go to a barbecue. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I mean, you I'm sure you become so close with them. We do. Yeah, it's so yeah. personal. It does get personal. People are like, oh, you really need to separate yourself from your work. And I've always been the type to think, you know what? I'm going to put my whole heart in it because that's what they deserve. Yeah. And I have found ways to take care of myself, but I'm not going to separate myself from knowing these people because that's what this is all about, bringing their story forth and mm -hmm. celebrating that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, what kind of like education do you hope that people start to like things people start to learn about around death? For everyone, not just your clients. Yeah, but. I guess something that we always have to keep reminding ourselves is that death is natural and that it's going to happen and mm -hmm. that it's okay. I think that's where I start, even with myself sometimes. Yeah, you know? um, you're so close to it. Right. And I even when I'm close to it, like I'm a little bit accident prone. I've had a few accidents like where it's been so close to like wow. that could have been it, you know, and it's, it's like, yep. Yeah. Just, it's always a nice reminder. Um, but I try to almost as a mantra, you know, tell myself this is very real. It's just a part of life. And that sort of, you know, grounds me in my practice with the dying, just that it's a natural part and I'm not going to see them as a failure or alienate them in any way. You know, this is about their death and their dying process. Um, so if people could start their education there, <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, another part is that resources are available. And I think that's a big part of why, you know, I do what I do is to get the word out about things that you can get what you need during mm -hmm. these times too. Have you ever worked with people or families of people who have um, chosen to pass? Like, is it still called euthanasia? Or no, it's, it's not. I'm glad you brought that up because that's actually the majority of like the clientele that I'm getting. That people want. Yes. Uh -huh. um, because they've already, I mean, it takes, it takes a certain kind of person to already be to a point where they know that they're dying and that they want to sort of specialize it yeah. to get to me, right? So it came to be that a lot of my clientele is using aid and dying um, or AID, yeah. aid and dying. Um, so it's, it's a really great thing. So it's fairly new to California. Um, the law, so it is legal here? Yes, it is. Okay. The law went through at the end of 2015 and then was good to go on June 2016. So it's been going for a little bit over a year now. Um, it's, there is a percentage of people, a higher percentage of people who get the medication who don't take it. I think, oh. you know, it's good to start there because I think people assume that if you have the medication, they're going to take it right away or something. Really, it's about just having that medication nearby, knowing that you have control of your death now, that if you just have a series of bad days with your disease, whatever it may be, that you have a choice to end it because it's ending in a few weeks anyway, mm -hmm. you know, so it really helps ease a lot of the anxiety just by having it as an option, yeah. which is good. So it's not suicide. Um, these people are already dying. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're just, yeah. it's, it's an aid with suffering. Have you been around someone who's chosen to do that? Yes. And so the, the key thing about it is that 
the patient themselves has to be able to take the medication consciously and willingly. Okay. That's the stipulation. No one's giving it to them. Mm -hmm. So no one's killing them, mm -hmm. you know, um, there it's totally their choice. And that's the biggest thing. So we've been, I've been present and we've had a whole vigil set up and then they took their medication and, you know, we had family and candles and incense and wow. the whole thing and, uh, soft, like meditative music and stuff and just had, it took about four hours. But Is it painful? No. Oh. So that's the thing. So it's one huge dose of barbiturate, which is a sleeping pill. So you just, you're just going to go to sleep. I see. Yeah. What about suicide? Have you worked with families that, um, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yes. Um, earlier in the days of my training, I would say I worked in the emergency room a lot and there was a high rate of teen suicide attempts and like that led to like permanent, you know, like serious disabilities, like, like a lack of oxygen to the brain type stuff. So yeah. like vegetative states, I saw one of those. And then some of the teens like did end up succeeding. Um, but we, we don't, I don't really see a lot of suicide cases now. I did have a husband and wife do aid and dying, not together, but a week apart. So the wow. husband died and then he actually died naturally, but they both had the aid and dying, but he just ended up dying naturally. Were they both sick? Yeah, they were both on hospice care. Wow. So with different diseases, but they got it at the same time. I sort of romanticized it. I was like, oh, it might be like the notebook or something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. So but he went first and then she was like, well, if he's gone, mm -hmm. I'm ready. I'm, you know, I'm fading anyway. So she did that. And so what's the protocol afterwards? You said you kind of stay close with the families, but mm -hmm. do you help them with the grieving process? And I do. So, I mean, right after a death, it really depends on how involved the family wants it to be. So um, I encourage, you know, like body washing and dressing just so they can have a more connection with the body before they say goodbye as well. Um, I'll bring like, you know, lavender oils and stuff and put it in the water. And, you know, some families are really into that. Sometimes I'll just do it for them. And then we call them mortuary and they come pick them up and then, or whoever, you know, comes to pick up the body. And then it's sort of done for me at that point. I follow up with them. I always send a card and like try to go visit once or so after the death. And then if they need more, you know, they can call me and if not, then they kind of just go on their way. Yeah. Yeah. So what other things do you do to help prepare people, whether it's the people that, I mean, it's really fortunate in a way to know, yes. right? And that's completely different than having a traumatic experience where right. the family members had no idea it's a young person, maybe right. a car accident or something. So totally I kind of want to touch on like the difference mm -hmm. between the two. Um, yeah. Obviously people who contact you have the fortune of knowing right and or making the decision for themselves yes. and it's completely different mm -hmm. um but I still want to touch on just that I mean not to say that's not still difficult yeah I mean it's still difficult and right. there's a lot of I'm sure fear and anxiety around that 
leading up to the days and, mm-hmm. but it's, um, yeah. What would you it's say? Like if you were to like, think about both. Well, so I did get the experience of working in trauma when I was, um, starting off in my career. Cause that's something that, you know, when you're younger, they put you, if you get a job in the hospital, they like you in their ER cause you've got more energy and whatever. Um, but that's where all the weird stuff really comes your way. Like a 35 year old dad attending his son's soccer game and he gets stung by a bee in the neck and goes into anaphylaxis, you know, shock. And there's nothing you can do about something like that. It's just a random way. So the best you can do for that family is help them get prepared with what they need to, you know, they'll probably need mortuary um, plans and stuff like that. And I know how to do that really quickly now. So just know who to call and where to send them. Um, and just try to be there with them, you know, during their process, but it's, it's a lot different. It's a lot more shocking. Mm -hmm. And my introduction into death was a more like shocking thing. It wasn't like a, a elongated, like cancer process or anything like that. It was definitely an accident. You're like, what just happened, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What about just people in general, Mm -hmm. you know, like me or anyone that thinks about death or just wants to learn more and feel more comfortable with the thought of it? Because personally, you know, I, like I mentioned, I use it as a measure, but I, Mm -hmm. I think about it often just like, oh my gosh, you know, these are the people that I love. Like some, I put so much pressure on myself. Like Mm -hmm. these, like, I think, wow, this is like one of the best moments of my life and and time periods of my life because my grand, I mean, my grandpa's not here, but my grandparents are alive. My parents are alive. Mm -hmm. My sister's here. I I just got married. I love my husband and all, all the people around me are here. Whereas like I hang out with my grandmother-in-law and she's like, yeah, like, we go to funerals all the time and yeah. like all of our friends are dying. I hear that a lot. Yeah. From older people. They, I, I seriously hear it. They're like, all my friends are dying. My world is getting a lot smaller and it's true. It does happen, you know, yeah. sadly. So yeah, take advantage of this time, this sort of middle of your, of your life, you know, yeah. you're young, you've got so much going on. That's I'm that way too, you know, it's like, like it's normal. Yeah. Work hard, play hard, you know, live your life. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean about like how, what about the fear and the anxiety and like what sorts of things have you found that are helpful? Um, to like alleviate fear of death. Yeah. Um, is, I mean, is that a thing? Oh yeah. I mean, do you think most people, I mean, yeah, like we're, built to try and keep ourselves alive. Right. And then we'll say like things like, like I can say is like a 31 year old woman, like, yes, I accept death, but I don't want to die today. Yeah. You know, that's sort of like a really common thing people will say like, Oh yeah, I accept it. And I'm sure like when we're all there, we're going to be like, Oh, this is happening now, you know, and we'll start going through our process. And I really believe that when we begin to die, it's like so much more than we are that we're just sort of whisked away into it. And it's not as, you know, physical and as earthly as we might think. 
Um, so that's sort of my belief. And but I know that when it's in my face, it's going to be like, all right, I guess it's time. You know, it's not something we want to face right now. Yeah. Do you know if the majority of people pass from like, what is it like a heart attack or is it natural? Yeah, more, there are more natural deaths, actually. Um, I would say the majority of it is cancer. Um, and then there's Alzheimer's dementia, which takes up a good portion of it, like COPD type lung stuff. Um, so Alzheimer's and dementia can kill you? Well, yeah, eventually. Not the memory loss yeah. itself per se, but if you live an elongated Alzheimer's process, eventually you'll just forget to swallow. So then you'll start sleeping more and like eating a whole lot less and you'll just kind of sleep into it. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's more about food intake and yeah, forgetting sort of how to eat. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah. It's interesting, but it's not, I've talked to doctors about this. It's not the worst way to go that's how the body would naturally slow down anyway um just by eating less and sleeping more and you can sort of see how that goes that makes sense Mm -hmm. it makes total sense so So what's your hope with death doula and I mean is it just to help more people pass on the other side or is there a message that you want to bring forward to um everyone and yeah I mean On the individual level, I want to help people, of course, but on a greater level, I think getting, you know, people to talk about death in a more positive and realistic way and also empowering people to take it for themselves. You know, I hope that when I die, it'll be in my control. You know, we never know what's coming for us, of course, but if it were my ideal situation, you know, I'd want to have a party before I go with all my friends and family and say, this is what I've, you know, done and accomplished. And yeah, maybe I won't have too many friends and families. It'll be me and my kids or something, you know, it'll be something special like that. So Mm -hmm. I feel empowered and less anxious about death because I've sort of taken control of it in my life. So I encourage people to do the same. And what are some sorts of ways that you think will help? Um, I think paying attention to the people who you love and are around you, you know, sticking close with the ones that you love and um, just being open and honest with them. And, you know, I think just sort of everything coalescing around that, it'll present itself in the right way yeah yeah at end of life I it's so funny like I really thought I would be bawling <laughs> through this whole interview because I I really I mean I don't know if it's like a super unhealthy thing but obviously mm-hmm. I think about it like I told you but your energy is yeah. so calming <laughs> Thank and you. it just feels like I could really feel that you're just at peace with it and um yeah as much as I can be yeah as much as you can and and I'm sure that you it's just been probably so wonderful that you've been with all these families and they've had the fortune of knowing you and um having you around to help them that's so nice yeah they've been great and they've given me so much like so much guidance and just seeing the way that I want to live my life you know the older and even the younger clients I have and it's it's been good work. I'm happy with 
choosing this work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thanks and for having me. It was really fun. Yeah. <laughs>